Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Equipping You Podcast. This is Season 9, Episode 5. Halfway there. Halfway home, baby. And uh, we're coming to you today, as usual, from Columbus, Ohio, current state capital of Ohio. But did you know, Alan, that the first capital of the state of Ohio, just about an hour from where we're sitting, was Chillicothe, Ohio. Chillicothe, then Zanesville, then back to Chillicothe, and then finally to Columbus. Not only did I not know that, I did not know that Chillicothe was pronounced Chillicothe. I've often wondered when I've seen signs for that, how do you even say that town? Stick with me, Alan, and I will teach you new things. That has always been true. You have always taught me many new things, Terry. Yeah, I think there's more to that sentence that you would like to share. No, why would you think that, Terry? I just know you too well. Alan. Okay. All right. Well, you assume what you want to assume. It's part of our uh, part of the back and forth of our friendship. That's right. It is part of the back and, and forth of our podca- friendship. podcast hosting. That's right. So today we're going to be talking to uh, Keith and Kathy Davis. Keith and Kathy were formerly our national office chaplains when we were headquartered in Colorado Springs. And they continue to live there in Colorado Springs and do a lot of marriage counseling, marriage family therapy type stuff with uh, ministry couples, alliance ministry couples, other ministry couples. And uh, I know they're really helping a lot of people and excited for you to meet them and hear a little bit about them uh, uh, today. Alan, what are you observing? You're out with ministry couples Mm -hmm. A bit. What are you What are you observing about ministry marriages in 2023? Well, there's never been a more important time for ministry couples to be a team. Uh, they're going to have to be a team that uh, when one's down, the other one can lift up, and the other one's down, the other one can lift up, and so they can maintain hope in Christ together uh, and be fruitful and persevere at this uh, spiritual and cultural moment. So this is going to be an important conversation today. It is. So grab yourself appropriately for this episode. Grab yourself a pure life. If you're listening to the audio, I'm holding a bottle of pure life water in my hand. Grab yourself a pure life. (laughs) Sit back. Relax. Here we go. So we're pleased to to welcome to Equipping You podcast today, Keith and Kathy Davis. Keith and Kathy, great to see you again, and thanks for joining us. Absolutely. It's good to see you as well. Thank you. So uh, we like to get to know our guests a bit. So uh, if you wouldn't mind each telling us a little bit about uh, your spiritual journeys and how the Lord brought you together. Yeah, well, I was... I was uh, kind of sent to a little church when I was very little. My mom probably needed a break from raising five kids by herself. A little Pentecostal church not far from where we lived. And over time, I was the only one left in our family attending that church. Came to know the Lord when I was about seven. And basically grew up in the Jesus movement. Uh, and as I got a little older and grew my hair long, which you can't probably imagine, <laughs> but, you know, 
Requirement. I my guitar at a park uh, with a friend trying to trying to preach to people. And uh, but those are very formative years. So uh, in church most of my life and uh, knowing Jesus for a long time. Yeah. My upbringing was very different. We were United Methodists. Uh, my mom and the kids, we were very involved in church, taught Sunday school, but I had never heard the gospel story. It was all just Bible stories. So my dad owned a roller rink in town and Keith came skating into my life when I was 15. (laughs) Yeah, she was 15. I was 15. This Jesus freak invades my story and I was very captivated by, by it. My mom was too. So I followed him around for about a year to all of his charismatic meetings. I saw a little girl healed. And that really opened my eyes to really God being real. And eventually at uh, 16, I accepted Christ and have been following him around the world ever since. <laughs> yeah. Praise the Lord. beautiful. Praise How long Lord. did it take to have your first couple skate together? That's what we need to know. Oh, like that was immediate. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it was Western oh, weekend yeah. and I was skating with my, I had a skate partner. We were in competition and he stole my cowboy oh. hat and then kept flirting with me all night. And then I think we skated that night. So yeah. <laughs> ah, the old steal the cowboy hat move. That's yeah, classic. Yeah, yeah. That's classic. <laughs> So along the way, uh, who have been two or three uh, influential people and leaders who've helped to shape your life and ministry? Yeah, for me, uh, growing up in the little church I I grew up in, we had a new pastor every couple of years. And so really never connected with anybody too well until uh, years later, I was a youth pastor in Southern California. And my pastor, uh, his name was Paul Plummer, just... uh, poured into me. But the thing that was most impressive was I saw that he had this deep compassion for people. And I really learned from him how to love people. I I really didn't understand that very well. Very, very influential. And then many years later, after we went through uh, my personal crisis and trauma uh, in our restoration process, um, our denomination sent us to an amazing counselor who, again, just so caring and walked with us. Actually, he's he and his wife are still friends and they're in their 80s now, but have been uh, very influential. His name, is, his name is his uh, name is Chuck Shoemake. And um, he's been uh, also involved in many denominations, helping them develop pastoral care processes. So it's been a, yeah. a, a journey with him. Yeah. For me, I think the first one I thought of was so Keith went off to Bible school and I followed him there a couple of years later and went to business college across the street. But still, he's involved in this very charismatic environment. And I'm this timid Methodist. And so graciously, God put us, um, Keith took a job that was posted on the bulletin board at Bible school, a, a little church in Des Moines, Iowa, in the Drake University area, inner city, needed a youth pastor choir director. <laughs> and we took that position and the pastor, Peveril, mm-hmm. he was a charismatic person in this free Methodist mm-hmm. church. He was very gentle. He was very so less emotionally dramatic is what I was experiencing in the other culture of church. And mm-hmm. I just think God was so gracious to give me a safe place for about a year and a half. 
underneath his um, real gentle and gracious spirit-led um, ministry. And then yep. um, the other person I would mention, tw- just in the last 10 years of our life, we got very involved with Richard Bush and his yeah. life on life. Mm-hmm. And we feel like it's very important to stay involved in spiritual formation and growing ourselves. And Richard um, was very instrumental in our lives in that season. Yeah. You had that in common with some previous guests. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. You mentioned free Methodist uh, church and I came to faith in Christ in a free Methodist church. So every time I hear that, I'm, my heart resonates. So great to hear your stories. So uh, you guys do, counseling and especially with ministry couples, just wondering what you're observing in ministry couples as we come out of the pandemic and all that has swirled around us, all that those in ministry have been facing the last uh, couple of years. Well, just about everybody we talk to is dealing with elevated levels of stress. Uh, They have, the pastors have gone through so much in the last few years, I mean, it didn't matter what side of the mask issue you were on or or vaccine, the pastors have been just, um, I mean, attacked almost mercilessly. And then just the idea of trying to function as a pastor during the pandemic and doing things online, uh, seeing no people, you're preaching to a screen. And uh, again, all of those factors have created incredible stress. And none of us were prepared for this. And most of the pastors, really, uh, people in ministry, really, we haven't done a great job in caring for all the details of our lives. So the pandemic has really created a lot of new issues, I think, for, for most people in ministry. Yeah. 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 No doubt about that. For sure. Well, sadly, accompanying that, we've seen, um, you know, over the over the months, uh, an increase in discipline situations. Uh, in your years of uh, counseling experience, how, what have you observed about times of crisis, how it impacts people's spiritual equilibrium and the choices they make because of that? So every crisis, you know, creates pressure, creates stress. And uh, those crisis situations are often invitations to grow and develop. But instead, we often react. And whatever it is in our life that's maybe not uh, where we really need it to be, you know, we're lacking in some discipline or or, uh, you know, our soul care is not real healthy, our self-care is kind of fallen by the wayside, the stress begins to push against those areas. And somewhere along the line, either we're going to get healthy and get some help to move that direction, or we're going to act out in some way. And not always in a in a sinful way, or at least in an overtly sinful way, but we're going to act out in some way. We've got to relieve the pressure. So we're seeing th- these kinds of things really cause more problems in relationships uh, between husbands and wives, and then in our own personal caring for who we are. We're not doing a really great job. Yeah, I would just add to that lack in isolation or the barrier of online connections instead of one-on-one is a real lack of emotional connection. And a lack of an emotional connection leads all of us to self-medicate in some way. And so that's, I feel like, really apparent in many of our sessions. I appreciate how you point out it's not always something sinful, but it is something that keeps us from coming to Jesus for what mm-hmm. we need instead of, you know, going to him, we go to something else instead yeah. of him. Yes. 
no doubt some of our listeners are weary. They might be thinking about leaving ministry altogether. What would you like to say to them by way of encouragement today? Well, the first thing is uh, there there are resources. There's help available. We don't always think that way when we're feeling under pressure and feeling worn out. But it's just like, you know, um, our health, physical health. There are times that we know we need to go to a doctor. Many of us don't do that. And we need to look ourselves in the eye, so to speak, and say, what do I need to get through this? Where are the resources? What is the help that I need? And if we're feeling like we want to maybe leave ministry, the best thing is to talk that through with folks. And we've helped a lot of people, you know, uh, become a little bit more reinvigorated in ministry. But also we've helped people when that really is maybe the direction they need to go, help them to lead ministry in a very healthy way. Yeah. Obviously, failure is not inevitable in the face of temptation. Uh, so what would you say to a pastor or a pastor's wife who is ex- truly experiencing the onslaught of the enemy right now? Well, sometimes we need to preach truth to ourselves, don't we? Yeah. You know, we, we preach to the people around us, but sometimes we need to make this so personal as though I speak this truth to myself, who God has created me to be, the resources he has given me. But again, and this this is kind of a resounding theme in my life. I, I say it over and over. We need to talk to somebody. We need somebody to come alongside of us and give us some spiritual encouragement and and even the permission to ask hard questions of ourselves. Uh, if we're doing this by ourselves in isolation, then failure is almost inevitable. Yeah, hmm. true. I hear a theme of. Isolation being bad for us in this conversation. I, I hear that same uh, mm-hmm. same theme. So, mm-hmm. so for ministry couples going through a state of weariness and discouragement, what steps would you encourage them to take specifically to strengthen their marriage? Well, always we encourage couples to to develop a real strong habit of face to face communication. It is so important. You know, we we think we have a great relationship. And we're we're working side by side, but often in the many pressures, responsibilities we have, that side by side ministry couple begins to grow apart. When we move back to actually having regular face to face conversations, we are we're feeling safe. We're sharing our struggles. We're sharing our our frustrations, our temptations. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is. Boy, talk about this and see if maybe we as a couple need to go see someone, a counselor, you know, maybe a, a wiser, older pastoral couple that we can talk with. There are great resources out there. But again, we as pastors are always helping somebody else and we forget that we need help. Mm-hmm. And that was the story in my own life. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I think <clears throat> before we went into crisis, I, in our marriage and ministry, I, and that was 24 years into full-time ministry for us together. I knew we needed help in some areas, but it's like, I feel like ministry people, it's hard to find a safe place. And we are the safe place for everyone else. And I remember having lots of conversations with Chuck Shoemake, our counselor, who is clergy care for the Foursquare denomination, 
we need a safe place. How can we make it more known for pastors, make it easy for them to find a safe place? So that's always just something I share. There are safe places out there. The enemy wants to shut us down and lie that there aren't. But I would just like to encourage people today that, you know, press in and find that safe place. Bring your bring your stuff into the light because God loves to redeem. Amen. That is a true statement. Love that. That's the nugget of the day so far. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that, Kathy. I mean, that that's a helpful thing. I think that we tend to feel the enemy wants us to hide and hide and hide, mm-hmm. thinking we're better off if we keep it to ourselves. Yeah. And uh, the safe place is so important to know. So for couples who have experienced uh, some sort of violation of their marriage vows, is there hope? I mean, is forgiveness possible? Can the relationship uh, be restored and even thrive again? Well, you're looking at examples of that in our own story. My failure was pretty egregious, pretty awful. And uh, I guess you can see, or I hope you can see that there has been restoration and forgiveness. It is a process. And most denominations have a good process for restoration, but whether we're restored in the ministry or not, there is certainly the opportunity for restoration in marriage, but it takes work and it takes being honest and we need somebody to help us in the process. Yeah, I'm real passionate about this. In the darkest moment of my life, I remember one of our elders coming up and saying, well, what are you guys going to do now? Because Keith Lott has lost his privilege of being a shepherd and um, handed me a book a well-known person had written in that measure. And so, again, I got a lot of counseling about that. We have a call on our life. And um, so I'm very grateful for <clears throat> the studies I did. The truth I proclaim is biblical restoration in the word of God is God redeems us and restores us back to better than our original state. He did it with Job. He did it. Well, I'm just going to throw out some scriptures. Zechariah 9 verses 11 and 12. Isaiah 61 verse 7. Job is a perfect example. 42 verse 10. And there's more, but that'll get you started. And that gave me great hope. That's the kind of God we serve. And I feel like our ministry is better than the original state, and we were incredibly successful in ministry. But I just want to encourage people today that it's worth all the hard work and everything that God reoriented. And he, uh, we had a lot of things to work on and a lot of things to change, but that's our ministry today. We, instead of survival skills, we're handing ministry couples conquering skills. I'm grateful to be in God's story in this position, in this ministry. Yeah. Amen. Love your testimony, guys. Really appreciate your uh, transparency and vulnerability and the great restorative work of the Lord in your lives and ministries. So so we have couples out there, no doubt, who are in a pretty good place in their marriage right now. And so uh, how do we help keep them there? What are What are some things they need to do to remain healthy? in that marriage from your uh, experience and and advice? Well, individually, we need to keep pressing into our own self-care. You know, I love Psalm 23. It talks about the shepherd leading us into a place of rest and a place of refreshing and a place of nourishing. Those three things are in the first couple of verses of Psalm 23. 
when we take care of who we are physically, emotionally, relationally, then it says God restores our soul. And we talk a lot today about soul care, which is so important. But if we are not experiencing self-care in a healthy way, there's no access for the soul to be restored. So it starts individually. And then as a couple, we need to keep restoring what God has brought together that he doesn't want anybody to separate, but we need to keep bringing life to that. And again, face-to-face communication is something that most couples aren't doing very well. They will say, well, yeah, we talk and we're busy and we're, and we go on date night once in a while, but to really sit down and talk regularly with each other is one of the the key things. Mm -hmm. Anything you want to add? I think so. Okay. Uh, actually, I, I'd like to ask another question to Kathy, if I could. I think one of the things that I, I'm sorry, this is maybe throwing you for a curve because it's not one of the questions we talked about ahead of time, but, you know, sometimes we're known for that. So have mercy on us. <laughs> but one of the things I've encountered in talking with pastors is like, you know, their wife is often their best friend, right? They're, that's their partner in ministry. But then they give burdens to their wife of struggles they're going through that then their wife can't do anything with it except hold it. Like how, what can you give some encouragement for how for pastors to share the burdens of ministry with their spouse, but yet not dump on them. So then they're stuck with something that they can't go talk to that elder, the pastor's frustrated with, or to that parishioner that the pastor is frustrated with. They're kind of stuck carrying it. And it puts them in a tough spot. What's some good wisdom for sharing the struggles of ministry without it just being stuck then on the wife's shoulders or Mm -hmm. the husband's shoulders, depending on the ministry situation? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is I, I think every pastor, well, I think every church should make sure their pastor has a spiritual coach. Um, I just think it's a healthy dynamic from the top down to establish. And so if our pastor husband has a spiritual coach and it doesn't have to be in the church, in the denomination, it can, I mean, just go look for it and network for it. I think that helps to minimize that um, I'm not the only one that he has to talk to. And again, that, that beats that isolation of Keith, part of Keith's crisis was carrying all the burdens alone but also dreaming too big and being disappointed that he wasn't reaching his goals. And had he been sharing with someone um, and talking that could have had a better balance. So for him to have a spiritual coach, I think is a key. And then that way I'm getting more of a filter of what he's sharing. If he really is, you know, having that uh, relationship with someone else And then I just, I encourage pastors, wives all the time to try to network into either another healthy pastor's wife or a, I just created a pastor's wife group in my community, but to be real intentional. And I, again, that's another thing that's hard, but I feel like it's really important. And when, when I had other pastor's wives to talk to, and I heard their struggles too, then it, my, our struggles didn't get so exaggerated or you know, maybe become bigger than they really were. And then we prayed for each other. So I guess it's back down to accountability mm-hmm. and community and a safe place to share. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, and that's the way to go, you yeah. know, and, you know, wrapping it up here, we, 
you know, there is still seems no matter how much we talk about it, you've started to address it today. There still is a stigma to seeking counseling. Um, you know, pastors feel like we have to trust God and we've got to gut it out because we know God's word and we know God's wisdom. Uh, how, you know, and I want to give a shout out to our, the DS that I work under, Nate and Sharon Howard, because they've talked extensively how it's been helpful for them to talk to a counselor. And that's been good for our district family. But what else can we do so that somehow to at least reduce that stigma? I'm not sure if it'll ever go away completely, but how can we shrink it? And that's such a, a, a great insight that, that so many people still struggle with wanting to go to a quote unquote counselor. And uh, exactly what you said, if we can get those folks who have gone yeah. and received help to be, to share <laughs> it more openly, uh, that really does take a lot of that stigma out. Uh, again, there are DSs who've, who've gone and, and received help and pastors of all sizes of churches and in all types of ministries, I think we need to give a little bit more of a, a platform for just talking about their own personal experience. Because again, <laughs> when I share my struggles, I mean, a lot of people will look at me and think, well, thank God I didn't have to go through that. Well, yeah, that's great. But when they get kind of in that place where they feel pressured and stressed, they're going to remember that people do get through this, but they need help. So talking about it, being very candid about it is a really, really helpful thing. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, I'm reminded by our conversation that the enemy of our faith is a liar mm. and, and the father of lies and that he came to kill, steal and destroy. Mm -hmm. And I think we always need to keep that in mind and, and uh, you know, keep fixated on the truth that God shares with us in his word and uh, to resist the lies of the enemy, lies like, oh, you don't need help. Just, you know, okay. just, just buck up. Come on. Uh, no, no, we're all vulnerable and, and, uh, and we all need help. So appreciate you guys a lot. And I know you're impacting uh, dozens of couples every year and just want to thank you for your ministry and appreciate so much you taking the time to share with us today. Thank you. Well, thank you. It's a privilege for us to share. We, mm -hmm. we, uh, we are <clears throat> feel very, very privileged to work with people in ministry. It's a, it's a, it's a joy. And uh, we'll be putting in the show notes uh, how people might contact you if they need to talk. And uh, so, thanks so much. God bless you guys. Okay. Okay. Thank you. So, Alan, I think we uh, one of the number one things that we take out of this episode is for marriage, ministry marriages, is seek help when you need it. 100%. And don't wait too long. Yeah. Yeah. We can't, we can't wait too long. We need to not pretend that everything is okay. Yep. Not think we have to gut it out and then have it fall apart later, but seek help along the way. And, and don't be ashamed of that. Matter of fact, promote the fact that you got help. Yeah. That's what we need to hear. Right. So it helps other people get help. That's how we change the culture. Absolutely. In, in this is. area. Yep. So uh, we've put together in church ministries, a, a catalog of retreat centers and yeah. uh, counselors. Your district office has that. If you uh, need to access it, your district superintendents are prepared to direct you toward the kind of spiritual help and marital help that you need. So don't believe the lie that you can get through this yourself and that you can't tell anybody else. You can tell. Yes. 
and uh, you can get help and we all need help <laughs> so and there are many options for that today both in person and virtual absolutely you know where you can talk to somebody online and uh, absolutely even through our uh, our benefits office yes that's correct uh, you can talk to somebody online so next time episode six season nine we'll be talking to bruce lyman about english as a second language that's going to be an exciting conversation of uh, a much needed ver form of outreach it is and i'm personally i'm thinking about making making english my second language it might be good if it was your first language oh first. okay yeah all right thanks for joining us we love doing this Yep, if absolutely. you love listening half as much as we love doing it, then you're having a great time. Yep. We're having a and great share time. share with others as well. We'll be back with you in about two weeks. Until then, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.